And so for the adults tuning in this morning, I uh, just want to say thank you for taking the time to do this. I know uh, there's lots of things you could be doing, um, uh, and, but at home or with, you could decide, hey, we're just going to sleep in or whatever it may be, but I'm just grateful for, for you. Uh, whether you realize it or not, we're better because of you uh, tuning in as well. And so I uh, wanted, um, wanted to think this morning about uh, this COVID-19, uh, and I, I've titled this morning's talk, COVID the Good. You know, I thought this sort of sounds like one of those, you know, superheroes from way back, COVID the good. But I think for so many of us, COVID-19, all we experience and all we see is bad, 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 all, all the negativity surrounding it. And it's, it's like every headline is, and as the, as the minutes go by, the headlines change and there's just more and more negativity and you can get caught up in it and it can start to, to lodge in your mind. And then that's all you can see. And, and as the, as the, the time frame for how much longer this is going to be gets extended and extended, it's like, oh, it's becomes crippling in the mind. And so I want to encourage you that uh, this morning, it's, it's not all bad out there. There's some good, and there's some good that's a direct result of COVID-19. Uh, there's an interesting thing. Um, June uh, sent me this text the other day, and I wanted to just share it with you. Maybe you've seen it already, but it's worth looking at again. It's a guy named C.S. Lewis, who's in 1942, wrote this, uh, wrote this little dialogue, a, 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 a quick conversation between Satan and Jesus that he perceived in his mind. And it goes like this. It said, Satan said, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I'll shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. <laughs> it sounds like today, doesn't it? But I love the response that he says, Jesus' response was, you know what? I'll bring together neighbors. I'll restore the family unit. I'm going to bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I'm going to help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I'll teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I'll teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. You know, I love that thought because I'm beginning to experience some of that even in my own home and just that enjoyment of time with family when the busyness of life of got to be here and there and everywhere has just come back to this place of just being able to spend time together. It's, it's a gift. And I hope that you've had the chance to experience some of that as well, because that's the good that can come out of something like COVID. You know, the other thing is the, the, there's a, a fear, not just a negativity, but like this fear that is uh, running rampant as a result. Um, this week I was out, I had to stop in Hagersville um, and they had in one of the stores there, they're only allowing six people in at a time. And this, this father and his son got to the door and wanted to walk in. And uh, they said, no, only one of you can come in. And so the son, he's, uh, he's in from grade nine. He's, he sat outside on the steps and, and I was like the seventh person. So I wasn't allowed in either. And, and we just uh, started chatting with one another. He's like, man, this is crazy. He's like, I hope this, I hope this ends soon. And uh, as we were chatting, he's like, you know, he says, uh, I'm too young to die. I thought, man, you know, here's a, here's a young person who's uh, sitting, sitting, talking to a complete stranger. And you just see that, that fear of, man, I, I'm too young to die. That fear of, of death as a result of this virus. And, you know, I, I wanted to just uh, take a moment to, to let you know that fear is not a necessity or a requirement in this, in this time. I know it wants to try and grab a hold of your mind, but can I share some perspective with you? Back in the day, there, way before my time, there was this thing called uh, Dragnet, a show called Dragnet. And there was a guy named Sergeant Joe Friday. And maybe you don't know him, but maybe you remember this quote. He'd, be, he'd say, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, ma'am. And here's some of the facts that I think you uh, should consider this morning. 
in Canada, uh, and I'm not making up these statistics. You can go to the uh, Government of Canada's website. These statistics are, are from Friday, so just a couple of days old. So even if, they've, even if they've doubled in the last day, I want you to consider this perspective that as of Friday, there was 4,689 cases of COVID-19 in Canada. That sounds like a lot. And for those who have it, that is a lot. For, for individuals, that's a, that's a big deal. But 4,689, when you compare that to the fact that there's 37.6 million people in Canada, that means that 12 out of every million Canadians, just 12 out of every million are infected. I know you read on the, the stats, it's like, oh, it's pandelirium and pandemic and, and it's, it's these massive numbers. 12 out of every million. 188 of those cases, of those 4,000, only 188 have actually ended up being hospitalized. Um, and only 65 of those are in intensive care. So the ones who are hospitalized, that's only five out of every million. When you think a million, that's bigger than most of our, all of our counties put together. That's like a, a, a portion of Toronto, just five out of every million. You know, and the deaths, it's sad. There's 53 deaths reported in Canada. And for those families, our heart hurts with you. But when you think of the numbers, for those who want to let fear wedge in your mind, that's only 1.4 people out of every million. So it's like that saying, the one in a million chance. Uh, that's, that's not good odds to allow fear and, and that, that uh, paranoia and that terror to, to be living in your mind as a result. We wouldn't do that for any other numbers. And so our challenge this morning, use wisdom for sure. <laughs> Practice physical distancing. Let's, let's flatten this curve. Let's, let's hope that this is not going to go any further than that. Um, but it's no reason for excessive fear, that crippling fear, because what fear paralyzes you. You know the phrase, the deer in the headlights? Uh, and I found this picture. I mean, that's kind of a funny deer in the headlights. But when we're the deer, it isn't funny because that's what fear does. It, it paralyzes you. It stops you from making decisions, stops you from being able to act. You know, I love how John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that John, a follower of Jesus, he described God as being, the, in the term of being love. He said, God is love. And as he wrote to Jesus followers later on, he said, perfect love casts out fear. Love and fear are polar opposites. Jesus told his disciples on the night that he was going to die and they were, they were afraid. He said to them this, John 14, verse 27, he said, hey, I'm leaving you with a gift, a gift that's peace of mind and peace of heart. The peace I give is a gift that the world can't give. You're not going to find it out there. But he says, but it's a gift I give you. So don't be troubled or afraid, which tells me that fear and being troubled and anxiety and worry, that's a choice. That's a choice. You know, wisdom is a choice and fear is also a, a choice. He says, you know, the, the thought is that fear and, and love are, are, are polar opposites. Fear will actually hinder you from um, moving or doing anything. Whereas love Love actually compels you to do something. Love can't just sit and do nothing. Love compels us to do something. And that's what we see in our, in our text from today. So I hope you're paying attention to the story we just saw because that is, it was from the dead and, and there was this out, um, um, outbreak of the church uh, permeating culture. Luke wanted to, to write an account for people like you and people like me to someday be able to read and, and have an accurate account. So he talked to all kinds of eyewitnesses and said, Tell me the stories. I want to write it down. I want it to be, I want them to know the truth of what happened. And Luke writes about this event that happened. And just to set the stage for you, Jesus was surrounded by crowds all the time. 
People wanted to be around this person who loved unconditionally, this person who uh, was just goodness personified. They just wanted to be around him and everybody loved Jesus or so it appeared. There was a few who didn't. You know who they were? They were the religious leaders of that day who were jealous. They wanted the crowds. Why aren't the crowds following us and following our rules? We want the crowds to follow us and they follow Jesus. And so the religious leaders would take any opportunity they, they could to try and trick Jesus or trap him into saying something that would make the crowds leave. And here's one of those accounts. This is one of those moments. Um, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard the term before and didn't realize it came from the Bible. You know, we see it sometimes in, in the newspaper, whatever, Good Samaritan. Um, friend of mine named Blaine, uh, we, we, he's passed away. I remember talking about it at his funeral where he, uh, he had stopped on the side of the road to help a pregnant woman whose vehicle had broken down and he had brought her to the hospital. And, the, and there in the papers the next, the following week, Good Samaritan stops to save woman and baby. You know, that that, that phrase is out there, but here's, here's where it came from. So Luke chapter 10, Luke tells us, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, he says, one day, as the crowd was all together, an expert in religious law, the expert of the rules stood up to test Jesus. Can you picture that? There's Jesus with a crowd of people and, and here comes this religious leader and he stands up and he says, make sure everybody notices him. Say, Jesus, I, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Because he had a, Heard Jesus put those two things together previously in other conversations. And Jesus simply says to him, hey, you're right. You're right. You've got the right answer. He says, you already know the most important commands, but are you doing them? Because he says to them, he says to him, you're right. So do this, do this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, it actually is about doing that. You know the right answers, but... Do they affect the way you live? Do they affect the way you live? You know, the man thinking that, you know, yeah, I think I'm doing a pretty good job as he's standing around. He, he wants to just make sure that he's got all of his bases covered. It says he asked Jesus wanting to justify his actions. He's like, Jesus, okay, can you just clarify you know, to love, I, I love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, I've done that. I love my neighbor as myself, I think. Uh, but can you just clarify who is my neighbor? Because maybe down in his, in his mind, he's thinking, yeah, you know what? I got my neighbors around me in, in, my, in my little town. And he's like, but, oh, I hope he doesn't mean like, you know, Cephas three doors down. Because that guy is just, oh, he drives me crazy. He lets his mule out every day and it takes a dump on my front lawn. I don't, I better find out if, if he's included in love my neighbor. And so Jesus tells him this story and, and, and and I just picture Jesus with this crowd of people. And here's this man who stands up to ask this question. Maybe just simply saying to him, let me describe what a loving neighbor looks like. You know, why, why don't you have a seat for a minute? Let me tell you a story. And so Jesus responds with that famous story. There's a, there's a Jewish man, he says. And everybody listen, listening in. Oh man, Jesus is telling a story. These are the best. And, and they're listening close. He says, this Jewish man is going down from Jerusalem you know, from the town we're in, fellas, he's going down to uh, this place called Jericho. And on the way, he gets mugged. I mean, not just mugged. I mean, they beat the tar out of him. They take all of his clothes. They just leave him laying there half dead on a 20, somewhere along that 25 kilometers. 
you know, there he is left, left for dead. And you know, uh, maybe, maybe he's, as they're sitting there listening, they think, you know, hey, it, Joseph, it, it could have been your father that was walking down that road. I know the story's made up, but, but uh, John, this could, have been, this could have been your brother, you know, or, or Zacchaeus, this, this could have been you walking down that road. Gets mugged, gets left for dead. You know, we don't, we don't know, you know, who the, the person in the story uh, is. We know that, let's say it's a, it's a made-up story, but could have been so, uh, so real for their time. But one thing we know about this person, whoever it would have been, uh, <laughs> fictional or not, never planned to end up in that place that day. He didn't wake up that morning and say, you know, honey, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to Jericho. I don't know if I'm going to be back. You know, actually, I'm not going to be back because partway along the journey, I'm planning to get myself mugged, robbed, beaten to a pulp and left for dead. So it was nice knowing you. That's not how he left that day. He wasn't planning to find himself there. He, it just happened to him. And that's what I want to encourage us that all around us, wherever we find ourselves, all around us are people where life happened to them. They find themselves broken and didn't plan to end up there. You know, people didn't plan for their marriages to fail. They didn't at the, at the altar say, I do, I do. I promise, you know, to love you for better, for worse. But, you know, in seven and a half years from now, uh, that's where this deal ends because that's the day we're, we're calling it quits. They didn't plan for that. They, they, just ended, they just ended up there. You know, there's maybe people who's at odds with their kids. You know, the kids won't speak to them anymore. There's just this, this broken relationship between. It wasn't this plan of saying, oh, you know, when they had that child in the hospital, and you're like, oh, it's my beautiful little baby. I'm going to take care of you until you're 16. And then you're going to say something and it's unforgivable. We're not speaking again after that. That wasn't the plan. Nobody planned for that to happen. Nobody, nobody planned to be an addict they didn't say, oh, yeah, man, that first beer, oh, it's going to be great. Can't wait till you're my master. Nobody planned when they were having their first cigarette to say, oh, this is cool that someday I'm like, oh, man, I can't quit. I've tried everything. I just can't quit. Nobody, nobody planned to become addicted to drugs. Nobody planned to become addicted to painkillers. Nobody planned to become addicted to work and just work, work, work all the time and just can't find out, can't, can't live without that. Nobody plans to become addicted to drama where it's just like always, there has to be something wrong or life isn't right. People don't, people don't plan that. People don't, people don't plan to, to find themselves in debt. People don't plan to go bankrupt someday. People, people don't plan teen pregnancy. People don't plan depression. And yet, so many times we find ourselves, people around us find themselves in that very place, life happened to them and they realize there's a brokenness. There's a brokenness there. No one plans to get broken, but they find themselves there. And my encouragement for us is that to continue to see them, because this is what Jesus' story is about. He says, this guy didn't plan that, but here's what happens. He says, and then a priest came by. And it's almost like when they tell those jokes, you know, a priest walked into a bar and everybody's like, oh, what, what? Hey, see, he's, he's saying something. They lean in a little closer to listen. It's almost like, you know, the, um, the, the, the religious leaders leaning in because he knows, man, every time Jesus starts talking about, <laughs> every time Jesus starts talking about us, it doesn't go well. And Jesus doesn't disappoint. He tells them in the story and you've just saw it in there. He says a, a, a religious leader goes by, a Levite goes by, 
You know, the, <laughs> neither of them stop. Neither of them, they see him. They see the man who's broken, but neither of them stop to help. And maybe they had good reason. See, we, we don't think about that, but maybe the priest is like, man, I'm on my way to the church. Like, I, I got to get there. Like, I'm speaking today. I, I, I don't have time to stop and, and help. I, I, if I do, I can't get dirty. What if I get blood on my clothes? Like, people are going to ask questions. I just, I just got to get there. I've got, I've got God's work to do. You know, maybe he thought, hey, you know, the law says that I can't touch a dead body and then go into the temple. He's like, this guy, he's half dead, you know. I don't think he's going to make it, so I, I just can't risk it. You know, or maybe for the, um, the Levite, the temple employee, you know, maybe he thought that his religious status was enough. Maybe he thought, like so many people think, you know, I go to church. <laughs> well, I don't go anymore, but I, I watch online. Uh, that's got to count, right? I, I, that's probably good enough, right? I believe there's a God. You know, that, that, must be, that must be enough, right? And what happens is it's this thought of, we look for loopholes. We're like, you know, we, you're like yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm that. But the, but the loopholes, where, where do we find our, our way around Jesus' commands? And that's what this man was asking. You know, <laughs> who's my neighbor? Where's my loophole? You know, the religious leaders of that day were famous for using God's law uh, to manipulate and control God's people. They were using the, the words of God to control the people that God loved. And maybe it feels like that for you today, that that's kind of the same thing that happens. It's been your experience with church and with Christians is, and, and, and religious people is that they, they, it seems like they love the, the laws more than they actually love people. You know, Jesus came uh, to flip that script to say, listen, God's not in love with his rules. He's in love with people and don't ever mess those things up. God's rules were never meant to get in the way of loving people. It's family does it. We, as a family, and as soon as you have children, you have these family rules. In, in our house, I asked our kids again last night, hey, what's our family rules? And Max is like, oh, it's be safe, have fun, respect your mom. You know, those are, those are the three uh, family rules. And, and we say, you know, be safe, have fun in that order because we want to protect our kids. I got three boys. They, they, you know, the, the, they want to try all kinds of different stuff, but it's Fine, if it's fun, just be safe. Hey, you know what? We should, we should be, you know, also have fun. I'm like, yeah, that, that one's good too. And then maybe she says, uh, you know, we should have the respect your mom. I'm like, that's a good one. Let's do that rule as well. And we should do respect your dad. And she's like, no, come on. Let's not take it too far. You know, let's just have three. That's easy for them to remember. And so then we, we planned our family rules. We're like, man, who's going to keep these rules? We better have some kids so that they can keep the rules we just made. And I think sometimes people think that that's what Christianity is about, that, that somebody made some rules and now let's find people who are going to keep these rules. That is not what God had in mind at all. It was simply that people would love God and love people. You know, the, the, the greatest commandment, love God, love people. Why? So that that would protect the people that God loves. Because if you love him and you love others, you're not going to hurt other people, but simply take opportunities to help. And so Jesus carries on with the story and he describes it like none of them expected. In verse 33, he says, then a despised Samaritan came along and maybe some of those Samaritans were on the fringe listening in because they love Jesus too. Like despise Samaritan, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's who we are. He says, he came along and when he saw the man, he saw the same man, he felt compassion for him. Do you know what I think about the Samaritan? The Samaritan, he didn't see the man and think, oh, you know, there's, there's an unwritten law that we don't interact with one another. Oh, he's Jewish. No, we, we're not, we don't speak. 
See, there was this unwritten law that Jews and Samaritans didn't speak to one another because they hated one another. Um, Jesus in another story sat with, uh, at a well and a Samaritan woman came up to him and he began talking to her. She's like, we don't speak to one another. Don't you know that? Like, how are you unaware of this, of this unwritten law? There was no secret they didn't like each other, but that didn't stop the good Samaritan. That didn't stop him. You know, the religious people in the story went out of their way to avoid helping this person. And it says that this good Samaritan went out of his way to care for this person, to care for this person. Why? Because it says he saw him and he had compassion. And love, compassion motivates to action. And at the end of the story, Jesus says to the, the, the guy who was standing up, he's like, hey, hey, stand up. I have a question for you. Verse 36, which of these three, he says, would you say? You want to know who's the neighbor. Which one do you think? Who would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Mercy is kindness to those in great need. It's not just kindness. Otherwise, you know, all Canadians are in because Canadians, just, they're just kind. He says, but this is kindness to those in great need. And what does Jesus say? Go and do the same. He says, the commandment isn't just knowing that, you know, yeah, the right answer is love God and love others. He's like, it's, it's not just about knowing the right answer. Because for many, it's like the Sunday school answers. Yeah, I know the answer to that question. You know, I always remember the story of little Johnny in Sunday school and it's uh, his teachers asking them, he's like, you know, hey, what's gray and furry, has a furry tail, climbs trees and eats nuts. And little Johnny raises his hand. He's like, ah, teacher, I know the answer's Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. It's that mindset that we have, oh, there's a right answer, but it, it doesn't actually jive with the way we live our lives. It, it's, that, it's that difference. And so this, this morning, as we think about this story, Jesus is simply saying, you know, the right answer isn't, hey, love, love God and love people. It's love God by loving people. That, the, that your love for God and his love in you would motivate and compel you to actually love others. There's all kinds of reasons and excuses we might have for, for why we shouldn't do that. You know, maybe we're like, oh, well, the law says right now that there's social distancing. Well, in truth, the law is physical distancing, not social distancing. There's still ways that you can pick up a phone. There's still ways that you can make a difference in the lives of others at this point. You know, maybe you're like, well, the government's going to take care of helping people. Yeah, but the church should be the ones who are the first on the front line to say, we're going to be the ones helping people. Maybe you're like, well, I can use some of that help myself. And we know we're aware of that as well. And so, you know, the idea is that we would love our brothers and sisters. And if you find yourself in need or you know somebody who's in need, would you just send me an email so we can help meet that need? You know, maybe you sit here and think, you know what, the need's so great. They're talking about giving away trillions and billions of dollars. How, what, what, what can I do that's going to help? You know, what, the little thing I do, is it going to really matter? I'm always reminded of that famous story. It's overtold, but it's worth telling one more time of the little boy walking along the seashore and he's, he's picking up starfish. There's thousands of them on the, on the seashore and he's throwing starfish into the water so that they don't, they, they don't, uh, the sun doesn't um, cook them and kill them. And an old man walks up and he sees all the thousands. He says to the little boy, hey, what are you doing? He's like, you're not gonna make a difference with, in, for, all, for all of these thousands. And the little boy just simply picks up a starfish, looks at it, tosses it in the water and says, well, I made a difference for that one. And I'd encourage you with that thought. What, can, what difference can you make for one? And, and the encouragement is this, why don't you do for one what you wish you could do for all? 
You know, when those things come on your heart, the compelling to do something for someone, to, to, to answer that and to do that, to see a need and to meet a need. Um, my friend Chris sent me a, a, a thing, this a quick little video this week by Andy Stanley, and I just love it. I, I hope that you have a chance to see it. Maybe we can add it to our, to our feed. But it says this, someday, Andy said this, someday we're going to be telling the story of COVID-19. Maybe that's five years from now or 10 years from now. We're going to be talking back about this, telling the story of COVID-19. And here's the challenge for us. Will your story that you tell be worth telling? In five years from now, will your story be worth telling? And the decisions that we make right now, those are the story. So what decisions are we making right now that are going to be a story worth telling someday that, that we would love people, that we would be compelled and motivated to love people with our actions simply because that's what Jesus did for us? You know, for some, maybe you ask the question, you're like, well, this kind of feels like, you know, a little bit of like guilting and motiv- motivating, using scripture to tell me to do stuff. And you're like, <laughs> you know, it, aren't you just doing what we just talked about those religious people doing? And that's a fantastic question. And as we, as we finish up today's thought, here, here's what I want you to consider. That Jesus didn't tell this story so that people would do more good deeds. He didn't tell this story so that that religious man would be better behaved and would do more good deeds and be a better neighbor. That, that, that's not why he told the story. It, it's, much, it's much bigger than that. And, and to be honest, it's much better than that. He told the story to this man because this man simply, he gave him a, a, a level that he, there was no way he could achieve on his own. And it's the same, you know, I want to share just the last two things with two different groups of people this morning. For those of you who are Jesus followers, you're listening online, like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Jesus follower. Why not leave you with this thought? As Jesus followers, loving people is what he wants you to do because that's what he did for you. Loving people is what he wants you to do because that's what he did for you. When he sat down with his disciples, he said, I just have one commandment, love others because the same way that I've loved you. Love others the way that I love you. Not love others and do things for people motivated out of guilt or fear. That's not the motivating factor. I don't want you even to to take this message this morning and say, okay, I'm gonna try and find stuff to do because that's not the motivation. The motivation as Jesus followers is for us to get our eyes back on Jesus and realize, wow, we are so incredibly loved. As we just breathe in and realize, wow, I'm loved by God today. That that love, as Paul wrote to the Romans, has been shed abroad in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. That we so realize we are so loved that that love would just overflow, that it, could, that it would compel us, that we would allow it to compel us and motivate us to, uh, to follow his words, to follow his leading and to make a difference in people, to see the need and then decide we're gonna meet the need because we love the people that God loves. And that's the way you live out that great command. What, a, what an opportunity right now to actually love God, to love God who loved you first by loving the people that he loves. To love God who loved you first by loving the people that he loves. And the people he loves, if you're not a Jesus follower here this morning, and maybe you tuned in because you're like, oh, everything's crazy in this world. I'm, I'm looking for answers. I don't even know if there is a God. I don't know if, if he exists, but but you tuned in this morning because you're hoping that there's an answer. And there's an answer for you this morning. And in all of the bad news of COVID, there is good news for you. There is great news for you. Because the story began, this morning's story began with the man asking a question, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
You know, I think that's a, a, a question he, he didn't ask because he wanted to know the answer, but it's one we should be asking. And it's, maybe it's one you're asking. When you think of like the fear of death, you know, what's going to happen with COVID? What's going to happen to me? What happens after this life? Is there anything? And you wonder and you worry and you, it's, it's there. You know, that question, what do, I, what do I need to do to be good with God? What do I need to do to inherit, to earn, to deserve eternal life? <laughs> you know, I can't go to church services because they're all closed. What do, I, what do I need to do? It's a great question, but the answer is far simpler than, than you probably imagine. Because this man thought there was things that he had to do that, that would earn him this eternal life. But it's not that. Jesus never said, hey, come follow a list of rules. Here's the 10 commandments and I'm just gonna add a bunch more. Here, live this and you're good. He didn't. He didn't say, hey, come follow a religion or rituals and traditions and church services and all that kind of stuff. You gotta kind of live the part. He didn't. He simply said, would you come follow a person? Would you come follow me? Would you come get in relationship with me? You know, there's another religious leader named Nicodemus who met Jesus at night because he was too scared to talk to him in the day, but he asked him the same question. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, the story has always been about God having relationship with men. It's where it started. It's why it's in us that we know that that's broken, but it is broken. And it was broken by this thing called sin. And it's created this chasm between us that all that brokenness we described earlier, broken people, that brokenness, that separation, that emptiness on the inside, sin caused all of that. It's what caused all of the thing. You're like, well, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to fix this? The truth is, it's not what you have to do. The truth is this, Jesus said to Nicodemus, but God, but God so loved the world, so loved you that he gave his only son. Why? Because it's what love does. Love motivates to give. He says he gave his only son that whosoever, whosoever, it's, it's me, it's you, whoever, anyone, whoever puts their trust in him would not perish, wouldn't be lost to God anymore, but would have eternal life. Maybe you find yourself in that moment right now. Maybe this morning is COVID the good, the first step for you where the good news reaches into your heart and makes that change on the inside. Paul wrote to the people of Rome and described it this way. I'll leave you with these two two thoughts. He said it this way. This is what it looks like. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Romans 5 or 6, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners we were still on the other side of the gap, but he died for us. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God, God showed, he demonstrated his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to join the right church. He didn't wait for us to do any of that. He simply sent his son to pay the price for us so that we could be reunited in relationship with him because sin's what breaks all relationships. It's the sin and selfishness in our marriages that break us apart. It's the sin and selfishness in our families that break us apart. It's the sin and selfishness in our work relationships that break us apart. Sin always breaks relationship. And God said, I'm gonna do what's necessary to allow relationship to be restored. And there's just one side. There is one thing that we need to do because even though he creates the bridge for us, we have to take the step across it. And that step is simply by trusting him. And Paul said it this way in Romans 10. He says, if you, whoever you are, if you'll openly declare that Jesus is Lord, that you're my new master, I've been my master and I've made a mess, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. 
I'm choosing to trust you. It says, and if you believe or trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be changed. You'll have new life on the inside. He says this, verse 10, for it's by believing, by trusting in your heart that you're made right with God. It's not something we do. It's simply trusting what he did. And it is by openly declaring your faith or your trust that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us in verse 11, anyone, anyone is you, it's me, who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile, they're the same in this respect. It doesn't matter race, color, gender, none of that matters. It's just to individuals today. Verse 13, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, when everything's in chaos around you, when everything's in chaos within you, he's calling out to you this morning, not to do church or pretend, because guess what? (laughs) That can all be taken away from you in an instant. We can't get together and can't do services because it was never about that. It was about you knowing God and God knowing you. And so this morning, no matter the pain, no matter the past, no matter the brokenness, no matter how big you think the chasm is, he's calling you today to take that step and put your trust in him. And maybe as a, you did church and you kind of wandered away from God, but he's calling you. He's calling you to the good this morning. He's calling you to the good news. And my hope as a church is that as we take these moments to embrace his love in our own homes, that that couldn't help but overflow into our families. They'll become so used to that, that as we enter into society again, that it'll continue to overflow to them. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, the gift that it is. Thank you for your word, that it just reaches into our hearts. It shows us what's really going on in there. It shows us our selfishness, it shows us our self-reliance. But not only does it show us what's wrong, it shows us what's right and who's right. So Heavenly Father, today, in hearts all around, people just again setting our eyes on you, taking the steps of trust and following you. God, I, I'm just so grateful that you put your spirit in each of us, that you, you're the one leading us, that we can simply follow your voice. Help us, Lord, to have your eyes to see the needs around us. May we be motivated and just compelled by your love to meet those needs. No matter the age, no matter the age, God, may great, great things happen as a result of this. May people be able to have the chance to experience COVID the good. And it's in your beautiful name that I pray. Amen.